0: No one's done this in a while. i got to do it. <laughs> Don't leave me up here with toys. <laughs> Good morning. So I'll give my disclaimer that if it goes well, it's credit to Miss K. If it doesn't go well, blame her. she's been bugging me for quite a while to get up here can you hear me now so if you would turn on your Bibles that's really loud to Luke chapter 8 so I'm trying out a few things today there's these new eye drops that you put in your eyes where you don't need reading glasses I don't know if anybody so I'm trying those so I'm trying to keep my reading glasses in my pocket how about that Trying to use notes. Those that know me teach, I don't use notes. And you never know where to put them, right? Are they over here, over there? And so it's my first time behind the pulpit. So, lots of news today. Let's go to Luke chapter 8. And this particular uh, message is something that I've taught many times. Many, many times through the youth. Uh, It's kind of been my anchor um, it's my favorite parable. It's been my anchor. It's what helps me understand the things that we do with teaching the youth and gives me perspective. So it's something that I want to uh, just share with you today and then maybe it'll give you a blessing. So let's read in Luke chapter 8. Let's start in verse uh, 5 or 4, excuse me, verse 4. And uh, we'll read through 15. And when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, he spake by a parable. A sower went out to seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the airs devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And other fell on the good ground and sprang up. And bear fruit a hundredfold. And when he had said had these excuse me, and when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They that are on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which while for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And they that which fell among the thorns are they which are when they have heard they go forth and are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring forth no fruit for perfection but that on the good ground are they which are an honest and good heart having heard the word keep it and bring forth fruit with patience let's pray our gracious heavenly father lord we come to you today lord and we ask you to use this word lord use this passage and use me lord to Open your word up and help us to understanding, Lord. And we just thank everyone that's here. We thank Peggy for the special, Lord, no better song could have been sang before this service. We thank you for everything you give us, Lord. Bless this word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, I kind of, I'm used to teaching young ones. So, forgive me, but I'm not used to you old folk, right? So, the young ones... I always try to make everything seem where they can see the picture in their eye. So forgive me if I dumb it down a little bit too much, but that's the way I think. I'm sorry. Uh, When I picture this scene, you know, you look at the other accounts, it's a huge crowd. Everywhere Christ went in this time, there's a huge crowd following him. Some people hated him like the Pharisees. Some people loved him like his disciples. Some people were just there for the show. Right? Just to see what miracle would be next or whatever. And, and you see that, and, and there's a huge crowd that's there from every city, it said. And so Jesus pulls out onto a boat. And when he's teaching this parable, he's on a boat, sitting out from land. Now, that's my, right there. That's what I want to do, be on a boat. It'd be nice to be on a boat right now. <laughs> but anyway, he pulls out on the boat, and you can just see the bank, right? The kind of steep bank, and everybody in there. It almost looks like a stadium. Of people on the shore and water is you know i'm an engineer so forgive me for being a geek a little bit but water is a magnifier of sound the closer you get to water and speak the more that sound just magnifies so it's like he's got a pa system as he speaks this parable And, and and can you picture that can you picture that in your mind jesus teaching this parable and a parable is simply a story that is true that says a story they're familiar with but it helps them understand something they're not familiar with Right? So the parable in this case is farming. Everybody should know farming in this community. Everybody should know about farming and seed and growing seed and gardening. All those things. It's an agriculture community, no doubt. And so everybody understands that. And he's speaking that and they understand that. But do they understand the real meaning? And the apostles didn't. It says in the chapter Mark, in the account in Mark, that the apostles pulled him off to the side saying, What are you talking about? What does it mean i don't understand the parable i don't understand how many times do i read don't understand you have to go to god right you got to go to him a prayer and and find out what does this mean so in this parable i, I want to just take a look at the seven characters there's seven characters in this parable and i want to look at all seven and look at what these characters mean and what they represent and the first one i want to talk about is the seed Verse 11 uh, talks about the seed, right? Now, the parable is this. The seed is the Word of God. The seed is the Word of God. But first, I want you to think about a seed for a second. Think about a watermelon seed. I can can picture Roy spitting one right now. (laughs) Spitting a watermelon seed out, right? Think of a watermelon seed. That seed has life. That seed, that little bitty thing can be planted in the ground by somebody like Christy that knows what they're doing. And it, then, it can then grow and produce watermelons, right? From a seed. A tiny little seed. How can a little seed have all the DNA, DNA, genetics, and everything to produce a plant? A seed is not just a small thing. It's a major thing. But when you think about the seed, and you think about this parable, it says it's the Word of God. And there's two chapter, or two verses that come to my mind in this. Look first look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15 and 16. So 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 15 and 16. There's two aspects of this I want you to see. Second Timothy three fifteen and sixteen, and that from a child that has known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instructions in righteousness. The word is inspired. This word that you have in your hand, this Bible that we turn to, is the inspired word of God. It is His word breathed out. But that's not the only aspect of the seed I want you to see. If you go to John chapter 1, this is very familiar. You don't even have to turn there if you don't want to. But John chapter 1, what is the seed? It was quoted this morning in uh, Sunday school. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. Or excuse me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen. Drop down to 14. Let's make some more sense of that. And the Word was made flesh. And dwelt among us. Who is the seed? It's Christ. Amen. Christ is the seed. His word that has been given to us. And the word's all about Christ. Talked about that in Sunday school. If you were here. They, the word is Christ. Is there a problem with the seed? In this parable, the seed didn't always grow. Is the seed the problem? No. The seed wasn't the problem. Was it? It landed in different places. And where it landed was maybe the problem. But the seed wasn't the problem. The seed is perfect. The seed is the Word of God. second thing I want to look at is the sower. If you look in uh, the verse 5, it says a sower went out to sow his seed. The sower. I think of the description in this, this parable And the sower is is the farmer and he's casting the seed. He's just flinging it. Flinging it everywhere. Maybe with his hand. I don't know. Maybe with a tool of some kind. But he's casting that seed everywhere. And some is landing on good ground. Some is landing on this ground. Some is landing on that ground. But he's casting it out. He's casting it out, right? And it's not like You know, Christy does a lot of stuff in the garden. It's not like Christy who and the kids back here, they went and they planted a seed, perfectly planted a seed in perfect soil. They placed it, right? Or when we do our gardens, we do it in rows. This isn't what it's describing. It's describing just casting it out liberally. All can hear, right? Now, who is the sower? Who is the sower? The sower, look at verse 1 of chapter 8. Verse 1 of chapter 8, And it came to pass afterward, he went throughout every city, and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. Who's the sower? Christ. Christ is the sower. Christ is the preacher, sowing the seed. That's what we should be doing every day in our lives. We should be sowing the seed. The Bible says that in in Mark chapter 16, every creature should hear it. Preach the gospel to every creature. That's sowing the seed, right? Right? And that's that's the sower. The sower. There are some bad sowers out there today, but in this par- in this uh, parable, the sower isn't the problem. Right. The sower isn't the problem. The sower is doing what he's supposed to. He's preaching to everybody in this and that needs to hear. The sower. And you look at. Um, I got to flip back over um, chapter five again. A sower went out to see sow his seed. The sower is Christ preaching Christ, preaching the good tidings of the gospel of Christ. That's the sower. That's what they're trying to get. But in this parable, the apostles didn't understand this and it had to be explained to them. But let's talk about, that's two characters. What, what about the third character? The third character, we're going to talk about the soils. There's four different soils that are described here. And the soil is described as your heart. So before we go into those, you have to understand that the heart is what is described as the ground. So if you're talking about the hard ground, the wayside, you're talking about ground that can't be penetrated. When you're talking about good ground, you're talking about a good heart. So think of the soils and remember the heart as you think of these. But let's first look at the wayside here. This is a person that's by the wayside. And verse 5 and 12 talk about those. In verse 5, it says, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside and was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And drop down to verse 12, Here's the interpretation thereof, given by Christ. Those that are by the wayside, are they that hear? Then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. The word of God is under attack. It's under attack, and and the last thing that, that Satan wants to do is let you hear it. I was walking to the airport this week on Tuesday. The airports are busy again. If you haven't traveled, they're busy. And I was walking to the airport and everybody has their earbuds in. Everybody has their earbuds in. And then all of a sudden they'll come up and they'll go, Hi, how are you doing? You're like, fine. You're like, They're mm-hmm. on the phone, right? It drives me crazy. All the people on their phone talking with their earbuds. It's like the devil's just taking their ability to hear away. Yeah. Everybody's got stuff in their ears. Take your stuff out of your ears. Get in the Word of God and listen. Amen. Stop it especially when you're talking to somebody on the phone, don't look at me while you're doing it. It's weird. <laughs> I'm going to answer you back. <laughs> so you think of the wayside here. You think of the wayside. And, you know, any, any place you go to that has a lot of walking trails or a lot of sidewalks, right, what happens when you're walking? You take the shortcut, right? And if, the short, if there's a sidewalk that goes up and takes a corner, you don't walk up and take the corner. A lot of people go right across, right? And then they pack that ground down so it's so packed and, and and this time they didn't have highway 51 they had roads and they you know cows and, and camels or whatever they rode horses, uh, and they' trodden it down and what the wayside is is the ground is so hard, the ground is so hard the seed can't even penetrate into the soil, and it's eaten by the birds it's gone or trodden down, smashed, seeds destroyed. What is that that's a person that Right now, maybe not even listening to a word we say. Their heart is—I pray no one's like this today—but their heart is hard. It's hardened heart. Right? The next soil that it talks about is the rocky ground. In the rocky ground, um, you uh, you think about the rocky ground, and I skipped a page. Anyway, it's fine. Um, it's in verse six and verse thirteen. And some fell upon the rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And the interpretation given by Christ, in verse 13, they on the rock are they which hear, receive the word with joy, and have no root, which while believe, while for a while believe, but in time of temptation they fall away. I remember we had a lake cabin at Fort Gibson dad still has it and every year dad would yell at me imagine that because I was mowing rocks with the lawnmower and and mom would say you got to quit mowing the rocks you got to go get the rocks out of the way before you mow because you're going to ruin the mower because the rocks would just keep coming up and keep coming up anybody that has rocky soil knows what I'm talking about I don't know how the soil grows rocks but it does and 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 you think of this field, you think if it's your if your field, what are you going to do? You're going to keep taking the rocks to the side, keep taking the rocks to the side. And you don't want rocks in your field, but they keep coming, right? But if this seed falls, he's sowing it liberally, he's sowing it everywhere, and some falls upon some of that rocky soil. And there's not enough root there, to, not enough ground there to get a root, and they can't take hold. And they, as soon as the sun comes up and gets hot like it's been this last week, withers away. It's dead said while they believe a little while. I think of in John chapter 6, verse 66, where it says they walk no more with him. After he said that hard saying, he that, you know, no man could come to me unless the Father draw him, they knock they no more. There have been people through the years that have had an experience with God. They've had an experience, and, and they, maybe for a week or two, maybe they, go to, they go to church camp, and they come back saved. Right? And then they, where are they at? They walk no more with him. It's rocky ground. There's no root. And there's no fruit. So when you think about the thorny ground, the thorny here, and that's in verse 7 and 14. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. In verse 14, the interpretation, and they, and that which fell among the thorns are they which, when they were, had heard, they go forth and are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring forth no fruit to perfection. Once again, we have no fruit. So far this sower has sowed seeds and sowed seeds and sowed seeds and nothing has been able to be harvested yet, right? In the thorny ground, if you have a flower bed, if you have any kind of garden, your enemy is weeds, Right? And you spend all your time plucking the weeds and plucking the weeds and putting down. They have a whole industry created of weed mat and mulch and all kinds of stuff to prevent the weeds from going, right? And in this case, both, both seeds were sown. Do you think that the, the, the sower is the only one sowing seeds? There was other seeds that were there too, and they sprung up together. But one of the seeds, the thorns, got more nutrients became, choked it out. Our green beans are choked out right now, right? They aren't doing very good. I didn't do a very good job of keeping the weeds out. But they choked out. And and, you know, you think about this. You think about Judas. Judas Iscariot. He looked saved for a long time. He walked with Christ. Was one of the apostles. Cares, riches, the world choked him out. Right? You think about, I think about the youth of this church so many youth have come to this church, been baptized right here. Where are they at? Is there any fruit? You see, there's a lot of you guys pulling weeds, things like that, going on. But there's a lot of people that have come and had a religious experience and maybe were, looked like they were saved for a while, but where's it at? Where's the fruit? And then you go to the last soil that's talked about, and it's the the good ground. You think about the good ground, and it's in verse eight and fifteen. And other fell upon, excuse me. And other fell upon good ground, and sprang up and have fruit a hundredfold. And when they have seen these things, or let's get, stop right there. Uh, and okay, excuse me. Let me up, rewind that. And other fell on the good ground and sprang up and bear fruit a hundredfold. And then drop down to verse fifteen and the interpretation. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, bring forth fruit with patience. In the in the um, account of Matthew of this, it says, understands it. In the account in Mark, it says, keep it. Or excuse me, receives it. And in here in this account, it says, keep it. They understand, they receive, and they keep. These are people that that have a difference. There's something different. There's something different about this. This is what the whole point. You would not plant a garden. You would not plant a single seed. You would not sow at all if you didn't think you were going to get fruit. Right? If you didn't think that the it was going to grow up and produce fruit, you wouldn't have took the effort. Right? It's the whole point. You reap what you sow and you hope to sow good seeds. You reap your your harvest. And there's something different about this. They produce fruit and and... Mark's account, it says some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. In this one, it's 100-fold. Produce fruit. And you think about that for a minute. With, with um, Seeds were precious back then. You know, uh, I joked about Roy spitting a watermelon seed, but in this time, if you grew a watermelon, you were going to keep those seeds because you've got to use those next year. And that seed needs to produce another seed, which needs to, you know time and time again, it's something that's there. And, and that fruit is important. That fruit is something you bear, not something you, you, the plant produces, but it bears. The di- there's a difference, though. There's a difference, and the difference in this ground versus the others is it says it's good ground. Now, don't weeds grow good in good ground? Don't the weeds grow better than good ground? Don't the thorns grow better in good ground? But why did these produce fruit? And when you look at the chapter or verse 15. It says a good and, uh, excuse me, honest and good heart. Is that how the Bible describes our heart? Honest and good? In Jeremiah 17, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? In Obadiah 1.3, The pride of thine heart has deceived thee. Thou that dwellest in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, saith the heart, saith in his heart, who shall bring me down? The heart is our problem in all of these things, but something's different. Something's different with this ground. Something's different. And let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 36. Think Ezekiel chapter 36. That's what I think of when I think of the heart. And something's changed, something's different. Ezekiel chapter 36. Uh, we'll start in verse 24 and read through 27. "For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you in all countries and bring you into this land, into your own land, excuse me. Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and yet ye shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols, I will cleanse you a new heart. Also I will give you and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will take away that stony heart of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. Keep and do, that's fruit. What happened to the heart? It was changed. Nicodemus came into Christ and said, What must I do? And he said, "You Marvel not, you must be born again. When you're born again, you get a new heart. God plants a new heart in you. This good ground, this ground that grew, that produced fruit, is a heart that has been changed by God. It's a a heart. The only way you can have a good and honest heart is if God has done a work in it. Right? So, that's six characters through the parable, but there's a seventh parable. There's a seventh character in this parable. And it's not mentioned directly, but it's there. And I think of uh, let's go to First Corinthians chapter three. First Corinthians chapter three, and there was an argument going on uh, among the the folks there, and they were wondering, you know, hey, I'm better than you because I was baptized by Paul, and I know I'm better because I was, you know, Apollos and and different things. But First Corinthians chapter three, verse five, it's amazing how many times God uses the the example of fruit. And roots and plants of the Christian life, all throughout the Bible. First Corinthians chapter three, verse five and uh, through seven. I uh, excuse me. Let's start uh, start in verse four or no five. That's fine. Um, who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers whom who they believed, even as the Lord gave them to every man. I have planted, Apollos has watered, but God. Gave the increase. So then, neither is it he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God giveth the increase. Is there going to be a single seed that grows without God? He has to give the increase. The seventh character in this parable is God, He's the master gardener in this parable, He is the one putting things together. He is the one bringing it together and bringing it past. He's bringing, uh, the whole thing is because of him. When you think of fruit, how do you bear fruit? You don't produce it, you bear it. What are the fruit? You think of fruit of repentance. Where's that come from? God. You think of the fruits of the Spirit. Roy, you guys have been talking about them in the class. Uh, the seven fruits, where are they? The fruits of the Spirit. They're not the fruit of Roy. They're not the fruit of whoever. They're a fruit of the Spirit. It's God working through you, right? You're bearing the fruit. We are dependent on God for everything. Salvation is of the Lord. You think about uh, just any, anyone that's been saved in this church and baptized or so forth. I was saved under the ministry of Brother Jim Gaylor. Is he the only one that did it? Do we give him the credit? No. You think about, I think about Mason. I'll pick on Mason because he's not here. I think of uh, coming to church, right? And he's under the ministry of Brother JC. Brother JC's watering. Kenny and Peggy are pulling out every weed they can find, right? <laughs> I'm maybe laying some mulch down, right? And other people in the church are laying mulch down, trying to keep the weeds. His granddaddy's fertilizing, right? Who sent, the, who sent Christ? Who sent the seed? God. We wouldn't have, who sent the Spirit to change the heart? God. Who sent the preacher, the sower? God. Who sent the people to pull weeds? God. Who sent the people in your life? Who sent these things? Who? Salvation is of the Lord. In this parable, what they didn't get was salvation is of the Lord. Now, I said all of that to, to ask you three ish questions. And this is where this message has always been precious to my heart because it helps me understand as we work with people and as we do things. Uh, for the Lord, we have to understand God has to give the increase it 's not me, no matter how good my words are, how bad they are, uh, God must give the increase. But I asked this question of this parable there 's four soils mentioned, and we talked about those soils represent people, hearts of people. How many think they 're saved of the four soils, how many think they 're saved? If you went to the, on the street and you went to Walmart. And my grandpa used to do this all the time, you know. Do you know the Lord? Do you know the Lord? He'd ask that. It bears me to death. And, you know, because <laughs> I just wanted to get a cupcake or something, you know, whatever we were there for. And <laughs> he wanted to talk to everybody. And, but do you know the Lord? How many people, how many of these souls would say, yeah, I do? Probably three. One may say, well, I was served, saved church camp back in 1982. Right. What have you done since? No. I didn't, I did it. I'm done, All right? Another one, that's the rocky ground. Another one may say, uh, maybe the the one choked up by thorns, but I went to church my whole life. Is there any fruit? I mean, you know, when you think about Matthew chapter 7, this, this verse has always disturbed me. Um, and it says, you know, wide is the gate and narrow is the way. And there's these people that say, but Lord, I I prophesied in your name and I did this and I did that. And he says, I never knew you. Those two, the rocky ground and the the thorny ground, that's who's talking. But I was baptized right here at Coedo Baptist Church. Where's the fruit? Were you truly saved? Was there a work of God in your heart? I never knew you. Depart from me. That's what he said. So, my second question of the three is which one is truly saved? Which one is truly of God? And I want to go to Philippians chapter 1 and answer that question with Scripture. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. And these two words that start the chapter... All right, start this verse. Uh, Philippians 1, six. Being confident. Are you confident? Being confident of this very thing that he which begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. Are you going to wither away? Are you going to be choked out by thorns? Or does the Bible say he will perform it until the day? So The good ground is a truly saved person. It's a truly saved person. Someone that's been born again. Someone that's got a new heart. A good and honest heart. That's a born again person. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, So my last question, I'll close with this. Can you read Philippians chapter 6, 1 verse 6, and know which soil you are? Which soil are you? In my life, I feel like I've been <laughs> at least three of them. I, there was a time in my life where I did not care <laughs> what anybody said, the preacher said, anybody, right? There was a time, and then there was a time where I thought I was saved as a little kid, you know, and different things, and kind of went back and forth. I think of, you know, Sam who that was rebaptized recently, right? I shouldn't say rebaptized. I guess the first one wasn't real because he wasn't really saved. Uh, you know, he thought he was, but he wasn't, and then he was re-baptized again. And he, he was mixed up in which soul he was. Right, Because it's hard to figure out sometimes. Are you in the good ground? Do you know, are you, confident, are you confident you're the good ground? Are you confident God has done a work in your heart? Are you confident that you're not just sitting here saved by yourself? Is it God that has saved you, or have you saved you? Because only one will stand the test of time. And you say, what do you mean by that? People can make up a lot of stuff in their head. But God, Satan is, is messing with us. He'll, he'll give you confidence in something that ain't confident you shouldn't be confident in. You should be confident in the Word of God. You should be confident in His work in you. Do you hate sin? If you cannot answer the question as, yes, I hate sin, you're in the wrong ground. Period. Do you love other people of God? If you cannot answer you love the brethren, you're in the wrong ground. You know, these are basic questions. Do you want to do good? Do you want to bear fruit? Do you want God to use you? Or do you just want to sit there and not do nothing? Right? If you can't answer those questions, you must understand that you better check the ground. You better double check. You better be confident. Be um, Study and make your calling and election sure. Right? Which soul are you today? And we'll close there. I thank you. and let's bow in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this.